At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSEN, the sports betting network. What up, folks? Welcome in. We got quite the show on tap for you today. I think there's a lot going on in the world of sports and sports betting. But in 15 minutes, we should let you know, Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play broadcaster, ESPN, Pac-12 is going to join us. There are still college basketball games and tournaments underway, people. In fact, there's one underway right now. The ACC tournament tipped off earlier today. Mm. We've got, what, five? Somebody forgot to tell Pitt. Oh, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you got to tune out of that one pretty quickly. Pitt, got, think... Pitt got knocked out of the Big East tournament before it began. Uh, great to have Roxy Bernstein on today to talk uh, Pac-12 and JBT. So it's not going to be wall-to-wall football, but we are going to talk your favorite topic, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson. Actually, I mean. And a little bit about Calvin Ridley. I'm going to tell you what people got wrong. And maybe something we said yesterday we should have left out. Wow. Okay. okay. I like that. Because I'm always right. So I'm really interested to see what this is. Uh, but I'm really glad that um, Russell Wilson got traded today. So we don't have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. All of that <laughs> just to go back to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but I think the story of the day, of course, takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Or at least uh, from the Pacific Northwest. To Denver, Colorado, Russell Wilson gets traded to, of course, as you know, the Denver Broncos, Seahawks. Uh, this package, Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick to the Broncos for Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. Uh, I will ask you your initial thoughts, because I know what mine are. Your thoughts on this trade for either side are? Uh, I think the Seahawks were probably smart to look at a deal for Russell Wilson. I've been saying it for months that they should consider it and they should try to get three first-round picks in return. So I think they probably could have got more. I'm not sure if they got enough here for Russell Wilson. Uh, are the first round? I didn't see uh, specifically as a first-round pick. 
uh, one of them this year and one next year? Is it one this year and one in two years? Or do we know uh, what years the first-round picks are in? Because if the Seahawks really love a prospect in uh, this year's NFL draft, whether it be Malik Wilson or Kenny Pickett, it's probably going to be, uh, excuse me, Malik Willis, I, I would think that uh, that's probably the impetus behind the deal for the Seahawks. Hey, we love Malik Willis. We can get a couple first-round picks, and it's time to send Russell Wilson packing. He's unhappy. Uh, the Seahawks made a huge mistake a couple of years ago trading away first-round picks for safety Jamal Adams. Yes. That was a big, big mistake that they had to find a way to uh, somehow correct in terms of uh, pulling in more first-round picks to compensate for the ones they gave away. Now, I think you and I talked about this before the show, and I've said this a few times too. I think Russell Wilson really regressed last year. Uh, he wasn't as mobile. He wasn't as accurate. There were a lot of things – that made him look like a different Russell Wilson. Will he get back to being the player he was two or three years ago in Denver? Uh, the Broncos better hope so. And the other thing is, I'm not surprised, because as I've said in this network for the past three months several times, I had heard the Broncos are going to be aggressive trying to make a deal for Russell Wilson mm -hmm. this offseason. So obviously, they were waiting for the uh, Aaron Rodgers situation to play out before they pulled the trigger on the Wilson deal. So a, a few things. Uh, one, yes, it is the 2022. One of the first-round picks is the 2022 uh, the draft, which is this year. So the uh, Seattle Seahawks now hold the ninth overall selection in this year's draft. That's very important mm -hmm. because one of my biggest issues here, because I will say flat out, I, I think the Seahawks, if this is like – if this is what you got for Russell Wilson, and Wilson had a no-trade clause, so part of it plays into it is Wilson being willing to go to other teams, I'm really curious for this being like the best package that was available. Right. Because, sure, you get the ninth overall pick this year, but if we're assuming that this team is going to be the team that we all think they are going to be, right? Now that people are like, 12-1, to 1, bet them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? Right. Now we're talking about what is essentially – it's still a first-round pick, but a back-end of the first-round first round pick, back-end of the second-round two picks there, right? So you go on from there, and then you look at the players that you're getting back. Shelby Harris, I know it's not the end-all, be-all. Graded out as a 61 last year from PFF standards, a mm -hmm. little long in the tooth by NFL veteran standards, right? Was drafted in, uh, I think, what, 2015, 16, somewhere in that range. Drew Locke, who is not your quarterback of the future, so you know he's not there for long, and a good tight end to Noah fan. Right, like that's what I just don't understand here is you mentioned it, and and maybe this clouds my judgment when it comes to the package that Seahawks got. You essentially flipped Russell Wilson for Jamal Adams. Like this is what this trade boils down to because you shipped off those two first round picks, and now you get them back. Like I just I well, don't. You also really, got no offense. You also got no offense. There we go. Like, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like I just I don't from the Seahawks perspective uh -huh. don't really like it. It does make me wonder if there just weren't better deals out there or if Wilson just nixed it because he wanted to go to the Broncos for the best choice possible or you know, right. chance at winning a title. And also the takeaway is I do think the Seahawks are going to be pretty bad next year. I think yeah. I can't wait for that. Well, Seahawks are probably prepared to take a big step back. I think they yeah. got to rebuild the defense. they got to rebuild the offensive line. And uh, I would say that they probably are targeting Malik Willis, and that's why they made the deal. Also, Russell Wilson counted big time against salary cap, so right. you're going to get a quarterback on a rookie contract, and that's going to help you rebuild the team as well. I, I think it was probably the right move to trade what Russell Wilson. You can debate all day yes. whether or not they got enough in return, but I don't disagree with the decision to trade Russell Wilson. Agreed. So I agree with I'm that. I'm okay right. with that. So let me ask you this. As I mentioned facetiously, uh, there was a lot, of, and this is the thing. This is what I always love about trades like this in any sport, right? There's a lot of 12 to 1, go bet it. And it's like, really? nah, come on. Come because, on. because you're behind the eight ball when it comes to these sort of things, right? Yeah. It, it, it is after the move. 
you do not you're not jumping on this before. Like if you remember last year after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, I bet the Broncos at 60 to 1 to win the Super Bowl that year because mm-hmm. I was like there's rumors that they might get Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. So let's just take this shot now and see what happens. And they didn't, but like that's value when you're getting 60 to 1 on the team that could potentially get a sure. superstar quarterback. Well, 60 to 1. Right. Sure, you're not going to find that in the NFL that type of value right. in the NFL futures. So this year like to to watch the trade happen and then go 12 to 1 I'm in. Like no. I feel like those are really watered down odds no. for the Denver Broncos. Too late to the party. Right. And uh, if you get about NFL futures, like I said, I've said for months I thought the Broncos were going to make an aggressive move for Russell Wilson. I had heard that from a good source. But I didn't run out and bet the Broncos futures even at the previous number because I didn't think even with Russell Wilson they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. So it's an overreaction in my estimation that a lot of people would run out and bet the Broncos futures or – that the Broncos are bumped to 12 to 1. I still think the Broncos should be, should be in the 20 to 1 neighborhood. And uh, if you look at that division, the Chiefs are better. You can make a strong argument the uh, Chargers are better. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders are just a 10 win playoff team. Uh, so it's not like they're chopped liver. So I would say that the uh, uh, Broncos still should be in the 20 to 1 neighborhood, even with Russell Wilson. Don't forget, I think it's the perception of Russell Wilson that a lot of people are betting on here, not the reality, because the reality was last year he wasn't very good. Well, and, and, and Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, tweeted this out. And again, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to measure players and their success and whatnot, but this gives you an idea of what we've gotten from Russell Wilson lately. In 2019, his wins above replacement, he peaked in his career at 4.6. The year after that in 2020, 3.54. Last year, 1.38. Mm-hmm. He has gotten steadily worse since that 2019 season. Now, again, it could be everything going on in Seattle, all of that kind of stuff, but you talk about not being chopped liver. It's not like that wide receiving core was chopped liver. He right. had stuff to work with there. So well, he does, do too, in Denver. That's one thing. The Broncos yes. do have some good – Well, they got some good offensive uh, playmakers. It, it does go back to – I mean, you got no offense again, but, like, it does go back like, – you didn't even tap into one of the biggest strengths on the roster for the Denver Broncos if you're the Seahawks, which is mm-hmm. pilfering maybe one of those guys. Uh, but regardless, uh, this is the trade, and now it sits there. But it sounds like you and I agree. And, again, when you're talking about the odds, about 12-1 to 1, – to me, it's a little watered down considering where the Broncos are at, and we just don't know. If you get last year's Russell Wilson, that's not a 12-1 to team. I would assume you're going to get a better version. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a better supporting cast around in Denver. He's got more uh, of an offensive mind. They're quarterback-friendly coach now, Nathaniel Hackett, former offensive coordinator, and uh, Denver is now the Broncos' head coach. So I think we're going to see a much better version of Russell Wilson. But to me, it's still a 20-1 to shot to win the Super Bowl. It's not 12-1. to All right, so – I'll ask you this. So at some spots, I think Circa moved the Seattle Seahawks down in the range of 125 to 1 uh, to win the Super Bowl next year. Your win total off the top of your dome for Seattle would be what next year? Well, I, you know what? I haven't looked at the uh, schedule of opponents. I would say it's got to be somewhere. You're talking about a 17-game season. It's going to be somewhere around 10. This, really? For the Seahawks? Oh, I thought you meant Broncos. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no for the Seahawks. The yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the Seahawks would be. I'm talking like, I think I'm like four to six. Seahawks right? would be around five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just, I'm, I'm really intrigued. You know, like one of the initial bumps that we saw was Seattle, like 45 to one. Uh, and then, you know, all the other markets started to jump at like 80 to 100 to one. Oh, okay. okay. You saw some others fall, uh, follow suit. And, you know, I, I think I would you, say, can, uh, you might set it as high as five and a half, but I think what you're looking at with the Seahawks is probably a five and 12 type of team. Right. And I think a lot of people are going to look at this roster and go, Drew Lockett, quarterback, Rashad Petty, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, <laughs> try to talk themselves into right. – or, you know, whatever rookie quarterback's going to be, Malik Willis, for example. But uh, I think a, a rough year is in store here for 
the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers' drama is over. What would you make? Now, see, here's, I think, the issue with the Packers and their Super Bowl odds, and we're looking right now at the DraftKings numbers. Packers are 10-1, to 1, third choice on the board behind the Bills and the Chiefs, and uh, the Broncos are 12-1, to 1, right behind the uh, Rams and the Bengals, or right there with the Bengals. I think a great deal of uh, speculation on how good the Packers are going to be depends on whether or not Devontae Adams is there. Well, they franchise him today officially. And, yeah, he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. So I would think that that means the Packers do deserve to be in that 10-to-1 neighborhood because it is essentially going to be the same team. I think the Packers are going to be able to hold this together for one more year, and you're still talking about a team that was the top seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the Packers do deserve to be 10-to-1, and you might even say the Packers could be an 8-to-1 type of team. Uh, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs out of the AFC, the Packers I think are uh, – I would power eight the Packers the top team in the NFC right now, even though uh, Aaron Rodgers has uh, stunk in the playoffs the last two years and the, <laughs> and the Packers have uh, uh, disappointed a lot of people, a lot of betters uh, on their home field. I, I still think the Packers power eight is the top team in the NFC with Rodgers and Devontae Adams back. I don't think Rodgers would have come back unless he was assured that Adams is going to be his uh, top receiver. Yep. Uh, all right, really quickly, uh, mm-hmm. what did you have for lunch today? A KFC chicken sandwich. Oh, wow. Let no me way. tell you something about the KFC chicken sandwich. It's served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger looking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. I will. I will. All right. As Zoomans mentioned, uh, we will get back to Calvin Ridley and him getting suspended. I'm very curious to hear uh, what we brought up yesterday that we probably should not have. We also have a lot of college basketball to get to, so let's shift gears. Roxy Bernstein is going to join us next. On VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Tired after lunch? You're not alone. In fact, research shows more than 70% of us hit the wall after lunch. Let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's a perfect pick-me-up. For getting stuff done, go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and Greg Peterson's favorite, watermelon. There is a flavor for everyone. Get a 5-Hour Energy today. And JBT, I took a shot of 5-Hour Energy at 4 o'clock this morning. They're still good. Berry flavored. And uh, I was wired for about five hours. Good. Here, yeah. nice, healthy, wired though. Helped you get your work done. Helped it you did. get focused. You worked right. out too. All right, let's welcome in Roxy Bernstein, who's nice enough to give us some time today. Play-by-play broadcaster, ESPN, ESPN Radio, Pac-12 Network, and all of those things. Uh, it was where you could find him. I should put it that way. Uh, Roxy, we appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. So I'll, I'll start with a general question because the Pac-12 tournament gets underway out here in Las Vegas tomorrow. Arizona, the odds-on favorite. You're laying a dollar twenty to win a hundred for Arizona to come out on top of this conference. So I will ask you this: uh, Arizona and the rest of the conference, we'll consider like UCLA, USC as the next tier. What's the gap there between Arizona and the rest of their um, contemporaries in the Pac-12? I think there's a definite division. But I think that second tier of the Bruins and Trojans are very, very good. Arizona's elite. Arizona's one of the top teams in the country that has a legitimate chance to win the national championship. I think UCLA is a threat to get to the Final Four like they were last year. 
and I know they split during the regular season, and UCLA just beat USC, and they split as well in the regular season, but I think Arizona is a notch above, and to me, they're one of the elite teams in college basketball. Roxy, I agree with you there. In fact, I bet at Arizona in uh, November of 40-1 to 1 and again at 30-1 to 1, uh, to win the whole thing. I was really surprised when I did my preseason work as compared to what I saw with my own eyes when the Wildcats played in Vegas in November, the difference. I wasn't sure how good this team was going to be on paper. Then when I saw it in reality, I was stunned at how loaded this team is. Did you have a feeling in the preseason that Arizona was going to be this good with Tommy Lloyd coming in in his first year from Gonzaga? I did because I knew the cupboard was set, was stocked when Sean Miller left. And Tommy Lloyd has been very complimentary of Sean and his praise, knowing he stepped into a good situation, that there was talent that he inherited with Benedict Matherin and Christian Coloco and Azula Sabella, Stalen Terry. And he brought in a couple of his own guys, be the transfer portal, Pella Larson, who Marbalo came with Tommy from Gonzaga. And I felt they'd be really good. I felt they had a chance to contend. I still felt UCLA going in to the season was probably the favorite in the league just because they were coming off a Final Four appearance and really pushed the Zags, and it took a miracle shot to knock UCLA out of the field in that dramatic run from the first four to the Final Four last year. But I saw – I was doing a football game in, in Tucson back in October when the teams were just starting practicing, and I went and watched the Wildcats practice. And I came away blown away. I said to myself, holy, you know what? This team is damn good. <laughs> yeah. yep. and, and they've lived up to the billing. And they are, on top of how good they are, guys, they're really fun to watch. Their style of basketball is appealing. It's attractive to watch. They play with fluidity, creativity in the offensive end. But I don't think their defense gets enough credit. I think their defense maybe even is better than their offense and their one of the elite offensive teams in the country, considering they're third in the country in scoring, and they lead the nation in assists. Roxy Bernstein with us. All right, so let's talk about the second team on this list then in terms of the odds to win the Pac-12 tournament, UCLA plus 160 over at BetMGM. It's a team that wins six out of seven coming into the tournament. We see Johnny Juzang come back uh, right on the fifth against USC. What are your expectations for UCLA? Because the schedule wasn't exactly brutal for them in those last seven games. And that loss to Oregon does stick out, but we know what UCLA did last year and what they're capable of, Roxy. Yeah, and that's the thing is they've done this before. Arizona hasn't been through this. And when they get to the big dance, that's the only thing that makes me nervous about Arizona is they haven't been in NCAA tournament. The guys on the team, other than Umar Balo, have not played. Where UCLA has that experience from last year. And UCLA getting healthy. You mentioned Johnny Juzang return. I did their game Saturday night when they beat uh, USC in front of a rocking Pauley Pavilion. But the other key factor, I think, for UCLA right now is that Jaime Jaquez is as healthy as he's been all year. Jaquez went for a career-high 30 last Monday in a rescheduled game. They won at Washington. He had 27 in the win against USC Saturday night. To me, as good as Juzang is, I think Tiger Campbell is extremely important to, to Mick Cronin's team. To me, Jaime Jaquez is their best and most valuable player. And right now, he's playing at the highest level that he's played at, I think, all season and maybe his UCLA career because he was phenomenal in their NCAA tournament run last year. Yeah, I second that. I've had the same thoughts when I've been watching UCLA, especially here in the second half of the season. Okay, so uh, Roxy uh, took a, a shot on Oregon here at 22-1. to 1. I think the Ducks have been, if not the most disappointing power conference team close to it, 
They've lost uh, three in a row. They wobble into the tournament here in the Pac-12. But we've seen Dana Altman do this before. Uh, he doesn't have Peyton Pritchard as his point guard this time. Do you think Oregon's capable of making a run this week, or is that a dumb bet on the Ducks? Well, I, there was a report that came out from a writer in Eugene, and I think it came from the team. I haven't confirmed it yet that Will Richardson will not play in the tournament, which is an enormous loss for Oregon. He's dealing with a non-COVID illness. He didn't play in the final game of the regular season. And if, if he's not available, Oregon, to me, has no chance to win the Pac-12 tournament. And they're going to get tested by Oregon State, even as bad as Oregon State has been. And the Beavers have lost 17 straight going into that game tomorrow. But they still playing their tails off for Wayne Tinkle. They're playing hard, even though mm-hmm. they've come up short. You know, and they've been competitive in a lot of these games. But if Oregon does not have Will Richardson, could they beat Oregon State? Yeah, they can. But uh, it's just it's going to be next to impossible for them just because of how critical he is to everything they do, their senior leader. And it's really a shame. And it's fortunate that you alluded to Dane Altman. His team seemed to peak at this time of the year. This team has reversed course the last couple of weeks. They were peaking. They were starting to do what Oregon does. But then they got blown out at home by Cal. And I think the loss to USC at home uh, last Saturday night, or a week and a half ago, I should say, really took the wind out of their sails. They had a disappointing road trip to Washington last weekend. Yeah, you're right about that. I was really impressed by Oregon in that loss at Arizona in uh, Tucson. And uh, I thought the Ducks outplayed the Wildcats for a large portion of that game. And like you said, then they started to take steps back after that. Okay, so... When you look at the Pac-12 bracket, you're going to have uh, Oregon, Oregon State, like you mentioned. The winner is going to play Colorado. What games jump out to you in this bracket as intriguing? Do you think Arizona State, which is 110 to one to win this tournament at Circus Sports, is a live long shot? Or um, where would you look here in terms of potential surprises? Because Roxy, we saw one of the biggest in recent years last year with Oregon State in that tournament run here in Vegas. Well, you mentioned Arizona State. They've won four straight, seven out of eight coming in. They play Stanford first. Um, they just beat Stanford last Saturday. And Arizona State is coming together at the right time. That's the good news. The bad news is that they beat Stanford, Arizona's looming, and that's a problem. I, I, if, I would like their situation if they were away from Arizona in this bracket. And I get it at some point. Look, you're going to have to knock them off anyway. But I just feel that Arizona State, the way they're playing right now, their defense has been very good all year. It's offensively that has been why they've had success recently. They're finally making shots, and I think their offense is caught up with their defense, but that's still a, a big risk, big challenge to go up against uh, Arizona in the quarterfinals should they get through Stanford. Um, an intriguing team to me is Washington State. Just I, I think they're really talented. They have some depth. They shoot threes. So that's the one team to me that if there was somebody out there that shocked the field, hmm. Washington State would be that team for me. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny, Roxy, you mentioned that because I was going to bring them up. The betting market out here has really liked Washington State in a lot of spots. They're power rated pretty high, laying double digits regularly against some of these lowly opponents. They haven't been covering, but there is a certain betting respect out there for them as well. Yeah, and, you know, they're in the 7-10 matchup. And they're going to play Cal, and Cal's minus their best player, Andre Kelly. Uh, but they've been playing without him for a while, so it shouldn't be as much of a factor for Cal. But I, I think Washington State has swept this season series. The problem there is they get through them, then they have UCLA looming. 
I'd feel better about it for Washington State if maybe it was an opportunity to play USC because they played USC down the wire in both games. Lost them both, but they were both one-possession games where UCLA kind of handled them each of the first matchups this season. So that would make me a little bit cautious about Washington State. Roxy Bernstein, ESPN and Pac-12 Network. Uh, Roxy, 30 seconds left. Give me a quick answer on this tonight. Gonzaga, 12.5, 13-point favorite against St. Mary's. Is this a payback game, or are the Zags going to blow out the Gales tonight? What do you think? I don't think, I don't think the Gales get blown out. Now, I think Gonzaga probably should win the game, but I think St. Mary's, look, they beat them, they beat them up last week. They physically took it to Gonzaga. Now, Gonzaga's going to be motivated tonight. They, they played a sloppy game last night. They won, but I give the edge to Gonzaga, but I think St. Mary's will be in there. Okay. Roxy Bernstein, play-by-play broadcaster. Roxy, good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. You got it, guys, anytime. All right, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to when it comes to college basketball. We'll get to that game, too, in the West Coast Conference Tournament. This is the Edge on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. No, no, no. Welcome in. Okay. Hey, a reminder: we've got madness to tell you about. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year. Twenty-four-seven streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategies for only nineteen dollars. Tell them about it, Matt Humans. I will. If you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready. For every game and every round of the tournament, get analysis from the experts, including Greg, Hoops Peterson, Mike Palm, Tim Murray. Mm -hmm. How about Adam Burke? Yeah. All right. Ben Wilson? Yeah. Jeff Parles? Yeah. Wes Reynolds? Mm -hmm. JVT? And more. They have insights on every key team, conference, player to watch. Sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through April 5th. Only $19 of vsin.com slash madness. Like it. I like it. I also like college basketball. And there's a lot going down in college hoops. A lot going down. Especially today. A lot of good games. Mm-hmm. Including, did you have anything uh, West Coast Conference tournament title game tonight? No, I had Santa Clara last night. Got a, uh, <laughs> a nice backdoor cover with the Broncos who had a shot to win the game late, but catch them five, five and a half. They got in there uh, with the loss. In the covered in the loss uh, last night to uh, St. Mary's. So now the Gales come back tonight as big dogs to Gonzaga about 10 days after they whipped the Zags uh, in Moraga. And uh, Gonzaga, 12 and a half, 13 point favorite tonight with a total of uh, 140. The first time around, the reason St. Mary's controlled that game was that uh, Randy Bennett is a master and mm. uh, he knows how to slow a game down. He took the Zags out of their game, he took them out of transition. Made it a half-court game. For some reason, Drew Timmy and uh, Chet Holmgren were sleepwalking that night. Yep. Uh, those those two guys who are All-American quality players and Chet Holmgren, who's probably going to be a top-five pick, they combined for 12 points the first time. So I think when you look at this, you would say the Gales – Tommy Cousy's such a crafty point guard, man. The way he penetrates the defense and uh, makes the right pass and – uh, scores at close range with those bank shots. I love watching Tommy Cousy play. He's like Bob Cousy <laughs> from the old Celtics, except Tommy Cousy can also dribble with his left hand. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, Gonzaga would be either in a take-no-prisoners situation tonight where, hey, this is going to be payback and payback is hell and this is going to be a blowout, 
where St. Mary's is going to give these guys fits again because Randy Bennett knows how to play the Zags. So I'm not sure which way it's going to go. I don't have a bet on this game tonight. Either either one of those outcomes is not going to surprise me. Even though I've got a lot of respect for Randy Bennett, I would lean towards thinking that he's going to be able to keep this game close most of the way. Yeah. No, and I look, so I like St. Mary's here, but it's funny because, you know, with Gonzaga, and they clearly deserve a, a, a certain amount of respect given how good this team has been and, and how dominant they have looked at times here mm-hmm. in the regular season. But when you it's when you kind of read the temperature on Gonzaga over the last couple of days, right, going into the San Francisco matchup, it was, yeah, they'll, they'll be pretty focused here. I think they're going to be ready to kind of light up San Francisco. It wasn't the dominant performance. Against well, they're the up dominant. to the Zags were up 23. Yep. And then they fell asleep at the wheel, just uh, – Stop playing with urgency, and before you know it, the lead was single digits. Correct. And then, again, you get what happened against St. Mary's the first time around, the capability of what St. Mary's has this time around. So I think, really, it's, it's a highly power-rated team, Gonzaga, but I also think that it's been pretty clear that, especially a team like St. Mary's, the gap, I think, is a little bit closer between these two than a neutral number like 12.5 would suggest. So. Yeah, it could be. I, I think the entire key to this is contrasting styles. Yep. And the Randy Bennett is so good that – he can slow a game down. Not too many coaches can slow a game down and take the Zags out of their game. Well, and what actually, and it necessarily wasn't a run up and down the floor type game when they played last time. There were 72 possessions when they played each other last time around. So it wasn't like the 62 possession slog that Randy Bennett wants to make, but they showed, no, I think, it, the yeah. Gales that they can go a little bit quicker if they needed to against a team like it wasn't like sprint breakneck like the Duke Gonzaga game but it was a little bit quicker than St. Mary's usually plays. And I think that showed me a positive that they can, if they needed to, a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. They, could, they could at least, of course, I mean, they beat them. They could stay within that kind of a tempo against Gonzaga. Well, it's not too often you see the Zags held to like 25 points right. and a half. Yep. And uh, 57 for a game. And uh, St. Mary's really effective on both ends of the floor in that game. You know, they played their A-plus game that night. They're not going to be able to play an A-plus game tonight in Vegas. But is a B game, B-minus game good mm-hmm. enough to cover? Maybe it is. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the uh, WAC tournament quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Because I got an in- interesting angle on this. And I wrote up a uh, play for vcin.com, our best bets file today. And last night when I wrote it up, I, I sent in Cal Baptist, the Lancers, as six-and-a-half-point favorites. And I bet this game last night. It's Cal Baptist against Texas Rio Grande, and this is at the Dollar Loans Center. No, no, sorry, sorry. This is at Mandalay Bay. Correct. Mandalay Bay. Nickelodeon Ultra Arena. Right, right. And uh, one of the interesting angles to this, if you're looking to play a total, I saw a total as high as 149 last night. Do you know the none of the teams in this tournament, and uh, the first round is going to be at Mandalay Bay, and I think uh, subsequent rounds are going to be at Orleans Arena. Mm. None of the teams playing today had access to the arena before the game. So they didn't have a practice. They didn't have a shoot-around. So you got two teams of Vaqueros and the Lancers who are going in cold here. You don't, you haven't been able to get accustomed to the rims or the shooting backgrounds. And you would think that would uh, lead to a lower-scoring game, right? So under the total might be something you want to take a look at. Now the total has dropped from 149 to 147. I did play Cal Baptist in this spot. And uh, again, you've got I think an underachieving team. Cal Baptist um, had a little bit of a disappointing season with seven wins in the whack. The coach, Rick Croy, is under a little bit of pressure uh, to win at least something in this tournament uh, because of the disappointing season Cal Baptist has had in Riverside. And you, you've actually got two of the better guards in the conference playing for the Lancers and uh, Taryn Armstrong and Ty Rowell. So I think the, I think the Texas Rio Grand side is going to be outclassed here. 
a little-known fact because nobody follows this team. Maybe Greg Peterson does, but Texas Rio Grande has two wins, has beat, defeated two teams since Christmas. That's it. <laughs> Those teams are Chicago State and Lamar, mm-hmm. two of the worst teams in Division One. So this number overnight went from six and a half to seven and a half. Saw some eights pop up on the screen this morning. This should be a game where Cal Baptist outclasses. Rio Grande and wins by double digits, and I laid the six and a half with uh, Cal Baptist last night. Yeah, the Chicago State team, too, by the way, uh, is in action against Utah Valley. Uh, Twelve and a half the spread with a total of 132 and a half. That's a, also another whack for Down from matchup. 14. Paul right. Stone took 14 with Chicago State in that game. And uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's what I was going to bring up because, uh, you know, usually, as we talk about all the time, right, you see the market get lock and step here with uh, a lot of these Ken Palm numbers and whatnot. This is a projected 14-point win for uh, Utah Valley, but here we are underneath that threshold and the action side is actually the three win, at least three win in right. conference, Chicago State. So there seems to be some sharp support there for uh, Chicago State. And did you bring this up? Had they been, um, I thought I heard you talking about this with Greg when we had him on one of the times. Chicago State, from an ATS standpoint, they have shown some fight oh. because they're 17 and 13, I think, right? Well, ATS I think it's one of the intriguing things yeah. about this uh, WAC tournament, which nobody's going to really pay attention to, it's the hardcore uh, betters, is that Chicago State's been one of the laughing stocks in college basketball for years. Chicago State just beat New Mexico State, the top seed. I think New Mexico State's the top seed. It's a favorite. Uh, the Aggies are the favorites. Chicago State just beat New Mexico State as a 17-point underdog. Yep. Chicago State's a 500-to-1 shot at DraftKings to win this tournament. New Mexico State's the favorite at plus 150. And Chicago State just beat New Mexico State two weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of notes on the two really quickly. So they, they've covered their last three Chicago State has coming into this game. Uh, they are 17-13 ATS on the season. And even better, and these are true road situations, but it can't hurt on a neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are 12-5 and five against the spread. This season on the road, Chicago State. Right. So, and it also indicates, you know, home court gets a little overinflated, especially against a bad team. But I think it all comes together to show that while a bad team, maybe not as bad as the market has indicated all year long. Cal Baptist no. playing tonight is a 100 to 1 shot to win that tournament, has to win five games to win the championship, the way that bracket is set up in the uh, WAC tournament at Mandalay Bay. In uh, the Dollar Loan Center tonight, brand new Dollar Loan Center hosting the uh, Big West tournament. I did play Cal State Fullerton at seven to one odds to win the to win the uh, Big West tournament. EJ Anasicki, transfer from Tennessee, has been a stud uh, inside for the Fullerton Titans. Sixteen point three points, seven point seven rebounds. He's got three really good guards surrounding him. And um, I, what I thought was interesting when I broke down the bracket here is that uh, Cal State Fullerton finished one game behind Long Beach State in the regular season. But Fullerton draws the easier half of the bracket here. Uh, Long Beach, UC Irvine, and UC Santa Barbara that listed as the top three favorites on the odds board all together in the top half of the bracket. Fullerton has to go through Hawaii or UC Riverside in the bottom half of the bracket to get to the title game. Uh, so that led me to a play on the Titans at 7-1 to one to win the Big West. Uh, really quickly, because I know you have something on them for the tournament. The Jackrabbits are in their championship game here against North Dakota State. Up to six. You got anything here in the game? Or you're just going to sweat this out. Well, both times these teams played this season, it was game. decided by four <laughs> points. Yep. And even though I've got a bet on uh, South Dakota State to win the tournament, I took six with uh, North Dakota State in the game tonight because I think it's going to be another close game. Uh, the third meeting between these two, why wouldn't it be a close game? It was decided by four both times. Jack Rabbits, really impressive in their performance last night, but I think this will probably be a down to the wire type of game. I've got South Dakota State winning a close one, so. 
Uh, I took the six points kind of to hedge my bet. Hopefully we win it both ways. Yep. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we have best bets to recap and to give for the evening slate of action. And uh, how about that from last night in the NBA? The Pistons, they keep on rolling. Mm -hmm. Can they keep it going too? We'll find out and add to a little bit more when we return here on The Edge. is the edge on vsin the sports betting network your turn are you ready for a fresh start and we mean a real fresh start with lasting change take the zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine available in a variety of tastes and strengths zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke free and spit free nicotine satisfaction try zen nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back your fresh start is here take the zen 10 challenge today at zen.com slash 10 that's one zero zyn.com slash 10 zen nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 or older who currently use tobacco or nicotine warning product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical I'm never one to back down from a challenge, Matt Eubin, so uh, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, all right. Speaking of challenges, uh, just handicapping in general, handicapping the NBA challenge as well, but not when you can just ride the wave with a team like the Detroit Pistons. It goes to overtime due to some odd foul calls at the end of the game, but regardless, Pistons plus 7.5 against the Atlanta Hawks yesterday went outright, Matt Eubin. All right. How about this run that the Pistons are on? Now 6-2 and two straight up, 8-0 and oh against the spread in their last eight games. This is a young team who, if you read some of the quotes, I keep telling this, they're not, they don't seem to want to tank. They want to play, and they want to play through injury as well. Kate Cunningham dealing with a wrist injury doesn't matter. He's playing every single night, and this team is winning games as a result. And now, all of a sudden, a win total, too, that looked like a dead under. All of a sudden, you got to sweat this out if you're the Pistons because if they finish 500 or better, uh, this is a team that will go over their win total down the stretch. So, Well, that's your job is better, to get ahead of the curve and find value in a team before other people see it. Well, and this uh, that's kind of the theme here, right? So Pistons plus 7.5 win yesterday. Uh, let's uh, roll with the team that has had some value recently as well. Had a 4-0 straight up, an ATS run snapped on Sunday night. And a game in which they were down by 21 points, came back, led by double digits, ultimately lose in overtime to the Denver Nuggets. Pelicans plus six against the Grizzlies. Here's the thing, though. Um, injury report about two hours ago or so. Brandon Ingram pops up, questionable to play. So we'll mm -hmm. see if he's going to be available. Uh, obviously locked in because the bet's already made. But uh, watch out for this team. This team has been incredible. And here's the sneaky, sexy matchup here. Offensive rebounding. I know it doesn't sound great. But Memphis Grizzlies lead the league in second chance points and offensive rebounding rate. It's how they've killed a lot of the teams. This is one of the best, if not the best, rebounding team defensively in the NBA in the New Orleans Pelicans. And they, too, since they've switched to this new lineup, best offensive rebounding rate in the league over that small stretch. So it's going to be a really big battle on the glass to see if they can do this uh, with that massive front court. So Pelicans plus six. Again, Ingram questionable. Want to make sure that he's going to play. Uh, regardless, we move on from there. We talked about this earlier. I'll take 12 and a half with St. Mary's against Gonzaga in the rematch. You know, I like this Gonzaga team. I understand uh, when it comes to the power rating and how much they have to, uh, how well they have played up to this point. But as you mentioned, uh, the Gales, they are really strong in terms of their ability to slow games down if they need to. Very good in terms of their defensive efficiency. And I like the fact that in a little bit of a quicker pace than usual for them, they still won that game against uh, Gonzaga. So give me St. Mary's plus 12 and a half against Gonzaga tonight. And some conference tournament futures. You and I talked about this off the air. Boise State plus 310 to win the Mountain West tournament. Uh, Boise State, I actually thought, because they're the one seed, right? 
But they got a good draw when UNLV and Wyoming fell to their side of the bracket because they were 3-1 mm-hmm. and one against those two teams this season. I think they match up well with both of them. So that end, by the way, you get to avoid San Diego State until the championship round if that's going to be the case. So give me that. And then I took a stab at Wake Forest plus, 10, uh, 10, you know, plus 1,000, 10-1 to win the ACC tournament. Tough side of the bracket because they meet up with Duke if they beat their next two opponents, which would be, uh, I think, uh, Boston College because they beat them to mm-hmm. Boston College one today. And they'd have to go through Miami after that. But I like teams that run. Teams that shoot the ball extremely well, and Wake Forest has done that, and they finished third in ACC playing defensive efficiency. So right. I think they're uh, due for a little bit of a run, and the market's starting to shift. Some spots as low as eight or seven fifty on them. So give me ten to one, which is still out there. All right, sounds good, man. Uh, let's go. Uh, quick recap: Last night, Santa Clara plus five and a half got in there with a late rally and a winner there. Cal Baptist uh, six and a half point favorite over Texas Rio Grande tonight. Uh, that number is up to seven and a half. I still think Cal Baptist should be a double digit winner. In uh, Wednesday's action in the Big East, I'm like going to play Butler as a six-and-a-half-point dog to Xavier. Uh, Butler lost by two to the Musketeers on the road on February 2nd. The key here for the Bulldogs, they got their four big guns back and healthy. Bo Hodges, Chuck Harris, Bryce Golden, Bryce Enzi. I actually think uh, Butler's got a great shot to win that game straight up, so give me the six-and-a-half on a desperate Bulldogs team. And uh, well, Thursday's Xavier's been playing like garbage too. Like, uh, Xavier, right? Xavier finds ways to blow leads and blow games. Yep. And uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Musketeers do that uh, against Butler in the Big East tournament. It's Thursday, I'm going to go Michigan minus two over Indiana. The first time these teams played, uh, the Wolverines blew out the Hoosiers 80 to 62 in Bloomington. That was January 23rd. It was a long time ago. It didn't really matter. But after that game, Mike Woodson said, I want another shot at these guys. And I think uh, you got to be careful what you wish for here because Jawan Howard's coming back. That's going to be an emotional bump for the Wolverines. Hunter Dickinson was out with a stomach ailment Saturday in Columbus. And it's actually stunning that Michigan was able to beat Ohio State on the road 75-69 considering Dickinson was out and Caleb Houston, the star freshman, shot 0 for 10. Mm. So I think this Michigan team is on the upswing. Indiana, I just don't think, has the shooting. And Wes Reynolds is going to come away disappointed from another Big Ten tournament here. Uh, Paul Stone told me he made the number of two. I didn't see uh, a number out in the market yet. I think it's going to be two or two and a half. It'd be three at the most. But I'll take Michigan over Indiana in first-round Big Ten action. I'm going to have several more plays. Uh, We've got a conference tournament future to be decided tonight. South Dakota State minus 165 in the summit. I've got Duke minus 125 in the ACC. I'm playing Villanova plus 150 to win the Big East, so going chalk there. But uh, I wrote about that in the Point Spread Weekly column this week, some of my best bets and long shots for the conference tournament. I'm going with Colin Gillespie and Jay Wright to take out UConn and then uh, win the Big East championship. And San Diego State's going to be my pick here in the Mountain West at plus 325. I think you're right about Boise. Uh, but it's going to be a Boise-San Diego State final. Yep. And the Boise's got the easier half of the bracket. Uh, Aztecs are going to have to go through Fresno. Colorado State, potentially. Colorado State. Right? And uh, one other team. Uh, uh, on their side of the bracket, Bo- they've got yeah, Colorado Boise. State, San Diego State. Fresno, yeah, Colorado Fresno. State, and yep. Boise is what I mapped out yep. for uh, San Diego State's path here. Aztecs are number two in the nation in scoring defense. And what we saw in the Colorado State-UNLV matchups was the Rams don't match up well against teams with more athletic guards and wings. Yep. And uh, I think that's why San Diego State's going to get by Colorado State to the, the championship game. And no team has had more success in the Mountain West tournament than San Diego State in the last 15 <laughs> or 20 Very years. Very true. So 
Going with the Aztecs at a, a short plus price there. The Players' Championship, talk a little, about this a little bit more tomorrow. And the golf show, Long Shots, is going to be on podcast form tonight with Brady and Wes. Colin Morikawa, 16-1. Hideki Matsuyama, your guy, 27-1. Daniel Berger at 30. Brooks Kepka, 41. Shane Lowry at 50. Those are all either DraftKings, Westgate, or Circa numbers this week. And Fitzpatrick, plus 120 over last week's winner, Scotty Scheffler. Let's get to uh, Calvin Ridley. I want to ask you, after yesterday, there's been a, a lot of takes in the media, a lot of takes on this network about the uh, controversy surrounding Calvin Ridley and the year-long suspension he got from the NFL. What have you heard that you've liked or disliked in terms of commentary in the past 24 hours? Uh, you know, I'll say that uh, I think the I was kind of surprised by the, cons- the mainstream media, do I dare put it that way, mm-hmm. and the way it was received. We were laughing about the serious look on um, – uh, Orlovsky's face while we were sitting here. Right. I actually listened to what he had to say. He, he was pretty level and, and I thought, uh, educated about the topic overall. Sure. So I think I've liked overall what I've heard. I'm not a big fan of guys like Emmanuel Watcho saying, yeah, you know what, let the guys bet. As long as they bet on themselves or bet to win, that opens his whole entire <laughs> can <laughs> of worms. Yeah. Uh, so there are things that I liked and disliked. Yeah. Okay, so I think we can all agree on one thing. Calvin Ridley made a dumb mistake yes. and he deserves to be punished. Yes. Once you get past that point, a lot of us go in different directions. You know, how long, how long should the suspension be, things like that. One thing that you and I talked about yesterday I don't think we should have even brought into this, the discussion is punishments that Roger Goodell has handed out in the past, whether mm-hmm. it be to Ray Rice or other players. Um, that's, that's kind of irrelevant to what happens here because we know that Roger Goodell has done a very poor job of handing out consistent, proper punishment. He makes Judge Judy look like a genius, mm-hmm. right? He, he's been a buffoon in some of this. He's made some big mistakes. But that's independent. That's different from uh, this case. So mm-hmm. let's look at this case independently. Uh, what does Calvin Ridley deserve? I think when you hear people say that – it's irrelevant that Ridley was away from the team on, on the injured list, or it's irrelevant how much he bet and he played parlays. That's wrong. That stuff's relevant to the case. And it's relevant to the punishment he should receive. Uh, if you have two thieves and one steals a $2 candy bar and one steals a $50,000 car, you don't get the same punishment. Right. It's just say, well, throw all the thieves in the, in the same group. Calvin Ridley just made a dumb mistake. He was, and it was a big mistake. He was betting for entertainment. He obviously was not betting with inside information or things like that. If he was an active player who was placing straight bets on NFL games, I'd say get him out of the league. But what he did was just a dumb mistake. It doesn't threaten the integrity of the games, and I think his suspension should be shorter. The NFL has made its statement. I think all the players know and fear that they can't do stuff like that. Uh, if you suspend Ridley for four games, for ten games, whatever, I think that's plenty. It doesn't have to be a year. Yeah, I think that's my main argument is there should be varying uh, punishments for something like this, to your point. Uh, but if you take ten people, you're probably going to have ten different opinions on what the punishment should be, should be. Have you ever been a jury foreman? No. It's hard to get ten people no, to I've agree on anything. I can't yeah. say. Actually, uh, do I dare admit this? I've never I've never been to jury duty. I've I move a lot. I've never actually gotten summoned. You're not missing anything. Uh, All right. Uh, Hey, you know what? 10 out of 10 people agree, though. My Guys in the Desert is awesome, and it's coming up next. We'll see you.